Hey, all 19 of you apparently unemployed losers. Uh, it's episode 78, Music of 2022 with John Gabriel. Uh, conservatarians have kind of reunited. Uh, when me and John started doing a, uh, a powwow together uh, a few years ago, uh, I only had like one condition. He pays for all of my meals, and I wanted to do like a year-end best of music, top 10, whatever. And uh, I had to send some goons to break a couple of his fingers, but he finally agreed to let me do that. And so, obviously, um, we had a, a bitter breakup a couple of years ago. Uh, we weren't really speaking for a while. It took VH1 to bring us back together. And um, we've still been kind of doing this. I've done, I'm doing it on my, uh, on my podcast. I think he still does it on his, unless he's getting too old for it. Yeah, but we've never tried a live format. And so it's going to be usually when we do one of these podcasts, and I've done one today, it's up, it's up at uh, Versus Media and Patreon, we can drop in clips and we can, you know, John does his wizardry of editing and stuff like that. And uh, we can't really do that. So we're going to try to make this interesting. And we're going to kind of talk about uh, the year in music for 2022. We're not really in a rundown like top fives or anything like that. Um I have like some unique thoughts about a lot of things that happened this year uh, for me with music and stuff that I thought were, was kind of interesting. It was a really unconventional year for someone who just collects playlist after playlist after playlist and listens to a million things and uh, stuff I know and stuff that's kind of popular and stuff that isn't popular and well-known and stuff you haven't heard of, heard of yet, folks. And uh, so we thought we'd give this a shot. Um I wanted to get John's thoughts as he kind of enters boom, boomerdom um, on if his tastes are changing like I think mine were this year. Uh, I think what was most notable for me, and I talked about in the podcast a little bit, was how many of my normal, I don't want to say favorites, but people that I listen to just really fell completely flat for me this year. Leaky Lee, for one, Band of Horses, Soccer Mommy. Way's Blood had an interesting release, but I think it's too late in the year. I, I need to, like, marinate on that one for a bit. Um, Panda Bear, Ty Seagal, uh, Angel Olsen, who was one that I loved at debut, and I think John even uh, liked her original one in the top five a while back. Uh, Arcade Fire, who's now canceled, by the way, uh, was, like, the first album. They really, really fell kind of on their face. Uh, Stars is a band from a while ago that came back, and even then I'm like, no, you guys should have stayed away. Um Kendrick Lamar ended up on a lot of best of lists simply because I think if critics didn't put Kendrick Lamar in there, they'd be called racist or something. Um, I, I didn't really like his last release. Um, Death Cab for Cutie. Eh, it was okay. It was like, you know, tween, whatever, but it wasn't like, you know, uh, blow my socks off. Destroyer, Bill Callahan, Shout Out Louds, who I put on my list every year. Uh, I did like the shout-outs. If I was doing a top 10, they'd probably be in there. But again, it's still just kind of like, eh. And so something that I noticed more for myself personally was I noticed I was getting into more singles, uh, just kind of one-offs for the year, just one-off EPs and stuff like that. Uh, I mentioned the National teamed up with Bon Iver um, for a few others. The War on Drugs had a couple of single releases that I noted should have been on the album from last year. And so I also noticed myself personally getting into a lot of kind of folk country this year. Uh, I'm kind of aching for a Sturgill Simpson album this upcoming year. And uh, so I found myself, my taste kinds of changing. I don't know if I got more impatient uh, to dig up acts. I don't know if I'm just getting older. So I wanted to bring John on as kind of the, um, the Qui-Gon Jinn of this whole thing to help you know, maybe ease me into boomerhood. And if this is just me, is this something he experienced? And uh, we will talk about some of our favorite albums uh, or acts and uh, kind of just chop it up with you guys here. Um, we may try to take callers. Uh, these are always kind of interesting when I when we bring up a speaker. Um, and so if you guys have thoughts on what you like this year, feel free to jump in the queue. We'll see how our time goes. That's all I can really promise because this is an unusual format. Uh, I will be back here tomorrow to wrap up the year in the worst of media. And I'm sure John might even have thoughts on that as well. And so uh, if you have thoughts and stuff like that, you can hold on to them. And probably tomorrow uh, we'll go ahead and jump on there. So uh, I'm going to let John kind of jump in here and speak. Did you did you notice the same things I did as far as like established bands and acts just didn't? Is it post-pandemic? Do they just come out of it and it's like, eh? 
Uh, or am, am I off on this? Did you have like anything that really blew you away this year? Um, where am I right and where am I wrong here? Yeah, um, some bands that I've liked before ha- had some marginal improvements, but nothing really blew me away. I I do wonder if it's kind of the post-COVID hangover um, of people getting way too much in their own head and I need to say <laughs> something very important. And you're like, no, no, you don't. Yeah. You need to make good music. That's all yeah, I, I think- got to do. And that's hard enough to do. So focus on that. I mentioned so, in, I mentioned Andrew Bird on my podcast, which is pretty much my most listened to album of the year called uh, Inside Problems. And that's one when you say, did we, they just get too far in their own head? It does, that one feels that way. Like, it just feels like a pandemic album. Yeah. Um, and But that one, I think, worked in a good way. Like, a good one that I noticed, a band that I know you like, is a good example to me is Preoccupations. Yeah. Um, and that was one that I listened to, and I know you're a bigger fan of them than I am, but that's another one that was kind of just like, Eh, you know, okay. So nobody to me really did like their best work this year. Like even Father John Misty is out there and a few others that you and I have talked about in the past. And uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm just wondering if it was just kind of a, an off year or if my tastes are changing or your taste changing as uh, music changes or what. Yeah, I think, um, it's a lot of those things. One thing this year, I didn't have the time really to really investigate a lot of new stuff. And I noticed over the past couple of years, I'm falling into the ultimate old music fan trope where I hear a brand new band and go, wow, these guys are great. They're really doing something cool. And then I realize, oh, I like them because they remind me of that cool band of the 90s. Yeah. I used to hate reviewers back in the 90s who would always, this reminds me of the Velvet Underground, every band. <laughs> this was, so, this was just like Nico. And like, oh, shut up. That's, that's what, that's, and now that's, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm like, that's oh, a direct example. Like my bloody Valentine. That's a direct example of Andrew Bird. I said on my podcast, I'm like, there's a lot of Velvet Underground in here. <laughs> and, uh, and you know that I'm kind of one of those people who I like to pull nostalgia out from what certain bands are doing. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if it's me, if I'm getting older, I'm, I was kind of in that same boat you were this year um, where I pulled a lot of new acts and stuff. And then they kind of just sat there for a while and yeah. I didn't maybe really dig into them. So I'm, I have no doubt that this year was like on me. Um, but as I kind of, as you and I are going to throw a couple of, albums back and forth at each other it's just to see what you think um i think that that was kind of there was one album to me that stood out as the band's best album and the only problem is it was only their second album and they're not coming out with another one and that was black country new road and the album was answering up there um and and that's not one if i'm sure you've heard but as i go into my podcast it was the only one that was like a full-on would have been my best of the year um, kind of like just one of these masterpiece albums. I bought it on vinyl and it sounds like, you know, not to go digging back there, but it's, it's like a mix of everything from Arcade Fire to The Walkman to Beirut to like Chamber Goth. And I said, uh, it reminded me of like a street performer in one of those giant one-man band contraptions. Right. Like the big drum on the back and then the, you know, the, the stepping on the accordion and then blowing into the harmonica. And what's interesting is that that one was like at the top of everyone's like user bests, but not really critic bests. And then they all broke up. <laughs> yeah. Lead singer left and there they're hiring new people to come in and it's not even going to be close to the same band. So that even then I'm almost more interesting or interested in hearing what their next thing is going to be. And so I don't know if that's one that you listened to or what you thought of, but that probably would have been if it, this would have been a normal year would have been my number one top album. And like I said, it was the only one to me where it was their band's best work. Yeah, that one for me, it's in my honorable mentions uh, because it really is impressive and just kind of this weird combinations that it's like the sounds sound familiar, but they're all arranged different or something. So I appreciated that. I always appreciate when people can do something new with kind of going back to older stuff, but then kind of renewing it in a way 
And yeah, that was really good. And the whole story behind it with the whole band breaking up. <laughs> like right after it was <laughs> that, released uh, and it got critical acclaim uh, and everyone was loving it and they were like, oh, we're done with this. Like, yeah, yeah, enough of this crap. Um, give me a couple of your, your favorites. Like I said, we're not really going to do a traditional top five or anything like that, but give me what were your big standouts? I know you and I have one in particular that I want to kind of save towards the end. Okay. Uh, and that was Desmond Doom. But uh, what were a couple of ones that you dug into that you would be in like a list, for example? Okay, here's, hey, these guys are great. They sound like bands I liked in the 90s. Because <clears throat> when we were doing the Conservatarians every week, it was like, uh-oh, John's got another shoegaze. Um, always, spelled like all vase. Um, Blue Rev was their album, and it it's the best thing they've done. This is the one example of a band. I've liked their previous stuff, but this was really good because they kind of brought, they were always had this kind of shoegaze, dream, dream pop kind of sound, and they've really brought it into power pop. And those were like back in the 90s, like when I was in college, in my 20s. Um, after that, I was really into, my two things were power pop, and shoegaze and finding the most obscure bands and they really blend the two really well together so that's one that really stood out to me um another say, one say the uh band and album for just for if people want to go and dig it up oh, okay always and it's spelled like all v's it's like two v's instead of a w and the album is Blue yeah Rev. that's shoegaze that's clever yeah yeah definitely um another one that I was afraid would be horrible, but I really liked it. Um, the smile, and um, essentially, it's Radiohead. It's Johnny Greenwood and Tom York. They brought in another drummer who has all this weird kind of background in jazz and techno and stuff. So it incorporates all the weird little, I don't know, synth patterns and stuff uh, that you've a lot of Tom York stuff that he does on the side. He'll sing for. Artists and groups, um, there was one one that would have been on my best of the year is um, Her Revolution, which was Tom York, this gritty, grimy artist called Burial out of London and Fortet. Um, Kieran Hebden is that guy's real name, um, but it's just brilliant. But it's only two songs. It's like, uh, that's it. It's, and it's, yeah, of course, being the... Tom York, it's about suicide and being depressed. <laughs> Imagine that. Which he's like, he's like what 60 now it's kind oh, of like gosh. just just do it man I know. um <laughs> moping already suck it up don't but, don't we um, always yeah, do and i always like run into that of, um, radiohead and so it kind of has that feel they get johnny greenwood is just a freaking genius everything he does and so i really really like that and it was kind of like it felt like an alternate universe best of Radiohead almost. So this seems like it's cheating, but um, I really liked it. And I was afraid it would really suck. Yeah, they're touring under the smile and they're doing a, I don't know if they, they have already done it, but I do know that they were doing kind of like the state statewide tour of a lot of like different smaller venues, like in places like Utah and um, oh, wow, smaller states. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. How come every time you and I like start to talk about like the press artists, I'm, I just go just jump off the bridge already. I think we did that with Taylor Swift. <laughs> It's kind of like at some point you just, you know, you should just, you should just probably do it. Yeah. Get over it. Or at least have a few songs with a little more tongue in cheek <clears throat> attitude towards it. That's another thing. It's like, okay, lighten up already. At least Morrissey had the self-respect to do that every <laughs> once in a while by, you know, going so over the top in his melancholic depression that it would be <laughs> like really funny. What of um so one artist that I saw I saw live for the first time this year was Mitski. And uh oh, nice. I spent I spent a good chunk of the beginning of the year listening to her album because there wasn't a lot else going on. And it's funny because when I went and saw Mitski, it was the first time where I was like, Okay, I'm that guy now at concerts. Yeah. Because I the old guy I, at the club. <laughs> I never I never thought how young her audience skewed. I always thought Mitski would be kind of older because everyone I know listens to her and my, right. you know, my friends are obviously on older sides. Um, and so I'm standing out line to get in and I'm looking around and I'm just like, holy shit, I'm surrounded by the cast of Euphoria <laughs> <laughs> from HBO. Like they, they looked exactly like the Euphoria cast. They're all on poppers and glitter and cum and like whatever. 
And uh, the good news is I was seated up top. I paid for the extra VIP so I could That's sit That's the good thing about it. being old, man. You pay the uh, VIP, you get away yeah. from serving you. And, you, yeah, you, can't stand, you, can't, you can't stand in the middle of the ballroom because you're afraid of getting trampled because you're, right. you're weak and feeble. You'll be the first one to go if you know, there's a fire. They're going to mess up your cashmere by puking whatever nasty <laughs> Kool-Aid gin concoction they stole out of their parents' cabinet. Like I just want to be able Step to get off, to, I just want to be able to get to the bar in the bathroom, yeah, you know, yeah. and and be able to come back and my seat is still there. Um, but I'm curious what you thought of Laurel Hell. It was it was in my kind of best of. I probably would have put it like three or four, just because I liked. Um, I kind of liked how she leaned in some synthesizer stuff, and um, she's also pretty wild to watch live. Like she puts knee pads on and she's like a theater kid doing interpretive dance. And so oh, she's really? Pretty, yeah. yeah I, I wondered what you would be like live. Cause I've yeah, never she's seen really live. interesting to watch. She like, she like goes through movements with her songs and stuff. And, um, but I was wondering what you thought, cause I know be the cowboy, I think was your best album of whatever yeah, year. Yeah. I think it was 2016 or whatever year we did it. And so I was curious your thoughts on, on her follow-up to that. Well, she is, um, she was like definitely in my top 10. She's an honorable mention. I swapped her out with another artist I'll get into, but the reason I started liking Mitski is she kind of reminds me of, um, and it's not even her sound. It's not her sound at all, actually, but a young female artist who does what the hell she wants and sounds different as a result. Yeah. You know, she could go to the right producers and get the right beats behind it and be Taylor Swift. And that's just not her. She's an artist, not just a performer. And I just always admired that. So she was on my honorable mention, but um, someone I put because it's the best thing she's done in a long time. She hasn't released much lately as she's gotten older, but Bjork, and I don't know, I don't know if she's cool again. She was cool, and then she got uncool, then she got cool again, then she got uncool again, so I can't keep track of everything. But, gosh, for like 40 years, she's been making the craziest-ass music, and no one sounds like her. And this was almost like a Lifetime Achievement Award, but it's like she needs some props because she's still out there doing her own thing, being a weirdo. And uh, her latest album is called Fossora. And it's about continuing the cheery theme about her mother's death and her own mortality. Because, you know, Iceland, you know how the Scandies are. And uh, sings one song is all about mushrooms, but not like the fun mushrooms, the mushrooms that grow up from dead bodies, you know. So it, it's very <laughs> uplifting stuff. Um, but being finished myself, I tend towards the morbid and the brooding and... It is, again, it's just like, she's one of those artists who's just out there doing her own thing, and she's like, I don't give a crap if you like it, I don't give a crap if it sells, I'm just doing my thing, and it's, and that's why her music's so creative and interesting. So, I thought it was kind of a return to form, she'd gotten a little wacky, you know, I don't know, the, the songs were so experimental, they lost a lot of listenability, and this one's more of a return to form, and I just admire her, but again, kind of... <clears throat> I remember back in the eighties when I was a young punk, just noticing the difference between someone like Michael Jackson and Prince who are both top of the yeah. list, but it's like, okay, this guy's a performer. This guy's a freaking artist. Cause he doesn't really care what you think he might get popular and then he'll disappear for a few years. Cause he's doing weird stuff. But I've always admired the artists who will just go out there, throw something together completely on their own. That doesn't sound like anything else. And uh, so that's why I picked her. She's every year, though, she gets more of this. Um, I'm the earth mother goddess and feminine power and the sacred womb. And you're like, OK, OK, ease up with that. But what's still, funny is I, mean, I like that she's a weirdo and that I don't get half her stuff. Yeah. What's funny is, is I made a direct comparison to Mitski and Bjork on my podcast. Oh, and wow. I said uh, I said that's who Mitski feels like. She feels yeah. like. This could be this generation's Bjork where, you know, she pops up in a couple of weird ass movies or something. <laughs> and uh, she's not quite that, the you know, that theatrical on the outside. But like right. her, her videos have that kind of dark animation to them and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but it's funny that like you did that because that's exactly uh, that's the exact comparison I said that, of who Mitski reminds me of. of you know, Yeah. And I generation. think it's just that's the thing. They don't sound alike or anything. But Mitski listened to her and it's just like she could be 
like I said, kind of a Taylor Swift, uh, you know, one of these really big, wildly popular artists. And I'm sure there's a lot of people on the Sunset Strip who would engineer and we're going to engineer beats for you. And this is going to be on the dance floor. And and she would be wildly successful and still very good if you're into that kind of thing. But she's just like, no, she's just she's an artist. She wants to, you know, work out her thoughts and feelings and creativity uh, on her own terms. And I just really respect that for many artists. And I, I think that. it's pretty impressive for a younger woman not to just kind of go into the record label machine and come out with something that sounds like literally everything else in the top 40. Yeah, so a funny story is um, I sometimes talk with Noah Shockman, who's the editor-in-chief of Rolling Stone. Not not yes. often, but uh, if I, when he jumped from Daily Beast to Rolling Stone, I basically said, uh, hi, more Mitski, less Taylor Swift, thanks. <laughs> like, congratulations, but like if if you want to get Rolling Stone back to a play, and of course, you know, he's done some good things and some bad things where he's turned Rolling Stone into kind of like a musician cancellation magazine and stuff. Oh, yeah. But um, so when Mitski came out, I said, so you're going to give a cover to Mitski, right? Like, and so he said to me, he goes, not a cover, but you won't be disappointed. And I was like, no, I'm disappointed if it's not a fucking cover. Um, and they did a whole digital thing with her. Like they did a whole digital presentation. It was gorgeous and it was great. And uh, he sent it to me. And even though I was like, it's still not a cover. And right. uh, I, I've still given him shit. Like I, like I said, so you're giving the yeah, 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 as a cover here. Right. And so and then, of course, they come out with, like, their 10, and it's all fucking K-pop. And I'm just like, oh, you guys. Yeah. Um, speaking of, like, what you just talked about, artists who might be going mainstream and but are still just out there doing their thing, um, there's almost no better example this year than Orville Peck. And you know that I was a huge fan of yep. his, original, his original album, Pony. I think that was the same year. Pony was, like, my second or third favorite album. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Orville Peck is kind of, he does like basically theatrical gay cowboy country. And his Which follow Which we up, both naturally, you know, that's kind of our character. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this, is, this is what this is. Brokeback calling. Um, <laughs> but um, he, this, you bring up something that's a perfect example of someone who, his follow-up was almost nothing like his first one. Pony was very stripped back. It was very intimate. It was just guitars. And, and I remarked on how, how theatrical he is, but he has the talent. He knows the genre. Right, right. So he, he hams it up and he wears these masks and these glow-in-the-dark outfits. And um, he kind of hams up the, the gay angle of whatever. But he knows, he knows Willie Nelson. He knows Hank Williams. He knows Waylon Jennings. He knows all of these acts. And he can kind of dissect the genre. And then he comes out with Bronco this year. And it kind of, to me, feels like he's borderline ready to go mainstream. And this is the album that gets him to open up for Lady Gaga kind of thing. But you do his album Bronco to me this year, which is basically like a straight Righteous Brothers Elvis Vegas yep. act album. Like, Come On Baby Cry is just, it sounds exactly like the Righteous Brothers or Vegas Elvis. And I think he's going for that. But it also felt like what you kind of said is, this feels kind of like almost like a corporate follow-up, which is, you know, people in his ear saying, hey, this is this is going to be the album that gets you big. And then, right. of course, whenever that happens, we know the third one all, all, always sucks. Um, but I was curious, like, what you thought about that, because we talked about that. I was like, this guy feels like his act in the masks and the kookiness, the, the mainstream audiences are going to buy into that and not really appreciate that he his voice, his songwriting ability, that he knows these genres and you're kind of along the lines of what you say about Prince. Um, there is commercial country. There's like Luke O'Brien and there's the Applebee's dude and there's all of that. <laughs> and then over here you have Orville who's kind of outrageous and he's doing these outfits and he's doing this act. But he knows those genres better than commercial country does. Oh, absolutely. And so I was curious what you thought about his follow up because to me there's, there's the bombastic overproduced Vegas show tunes then there's a couple of like pop performances and that's what I mean about like him ending up with Lady Gaga or he could be opening for Taylor Swift or something. Right. But then he has a few like um, uh, Hixie Mountains, which is like a return to what he did on his first album. And so I was curious, like along the lines of what you said about someone who can go mainstream, but who's still an artist. And is that, am I, am I way off base on what I think on the trajectory of Orville Peck? I mean, he seems like he's, He's going to be like, like I said, opening for Lady Gaga in stadium. 
Yeah, well, his latest album, and I didn't spend that time that much time listening to it, but yeah, the nods to pop popularity, it seems like he's got one foot in his own vision and uh, his dedication to the craft and the art, and the other, I'm sure he's being you know, seduced by big labels and producers and he did, he did a duet with Shania Twain, for example. Yeah. And it was big and over the top and you could just feel like the gayness coming out, um, which isn't bad. It's that's not what I mean. I mean, it's just kind of like, it it was how it was like John Waters. It was like, how kitschy and queer can we make this? Right. And so it's not like in a negative way. It was just like, like John Waters kitsch, but you're right. And I said on my podcast, it feels like, He's going to maybe do two feet into pop stardom or he's going to die of a heroin overdose. Yeah. Um, because his his stuff is pretty dark. He talks a lot about kind of suicide and being alone and, you know, kind of just hooking up with dudes and stuff like that. But um, that's kind of what I thought about when I heard the second album as I was kind of I wasn't disappointed, but I was kind of like, I see what's going on here. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, you just hope, and, and that's the thing, it's fine to have a couple tracks from the mainstream, um, but yeah, you, you gotta do, forge your own path, because everybody else is just lowest common denominator crap, you know, and it, that's something that we've talked about a lot, is, you know, you have so many people, especially, you know, I'm 97 now, as everybody knows, and so when you get to my age, you're like, ah, all this new music sucks. It was better in the old days, whatever the old days were for a given person. And it's like, no, there's tons of great stuff out there. It's just very hard to find. It, actually, it's a lot easier to find, come to think of it, with the Internet. But um, when, you know, you pick the decade, probably back to the 70s, 60s and on up, crap gets on the radio you know it's not the great music that lasts it's not the stuff that's getting played on repeat it's the garbage because you know it's popular and it's light and it doesn't make you think and it doesn't challenge you and it sounds like that hit from two years ago and that's what you get but there's a lot of great music out there and i always try to remind myself of that that it's just you just see so many people once you pass I would say 30 or something. You just start ragging on whatever's new. And, oh, this all sucks. It was better when I was a kid. Because you're always going to have a fondness for what you liked in high school and college. But there's still a lot of good stuff. And I hope he, um, I don't know, kind of dedicates himself to the art. Because that's when you get the rabid fans. That's when people start imitating him. And pop comes over to him after a couple more albums. Instead of um, him kind of selling out and, yeah, doing a split single with Lana Del Rey. <laughs> I think Lana Del Rey was one that I told to just kill herself. Uh, she's not the worst. She, Lana Del Rey's not the worst one out there. She just no. She just she leans. She just leans so hard into the just the lazy kind of vocal yeah. '60s girl. Um, two two interesting things that are kind of not so much off topic, but every every so odd year or two. Like a, a culture, a, a pop culture phenomenon will come along that will reintroduce a new band. And there was kind of two things. We saw that Terry Hall from the specials died a, a few weeks ago. And I was really genuinely shocked at how many young people I saw tweeting about or on Facebook or even on music blogs, or whatever, um, about the specials. Yep. And I was that, that's one who I just kind of very happy about that. Yeah, they kind of they never really got lost in the kind of the clash and that kind of mixing Brit pop with reggae and stuff like that. But that was one that I was really interested. In. I was like, oh, wow, like there's a lot of people who understand that they know these songs. And then, of course, uh, you had the dance sequence from Wednesday on Netflix that had the cramps. And suddenly all the kids now are talking about the cramps, which I thought was just like, I don't know how I feel about this one. Um, I guess if they go off at that, if that leads them and I haven't watched the series, but that fucking dance sequence is everywhere. Um, And so that's one where I was like, Hey, if the kids can kind of get into the cramps and, you know, stop acting like special little snowflakes. And that that's inevitably a good thing to me. Um, what was uh give me give me a couple of more that were on your kind of best of years and then we'll get into um i i have one more that i want to pick your brain about and then we have we have one artist that i think you and i is going to take up most of our time but give me a couple of more that uh that were on your radar well one that you mentioned and we're like eh, yeah it's not his best i kind of agree with this but destroyer labyrinthitis 
Um, Dan Behar is the guy's name, and he's kind of the maestro behind this. I guess you can call him Band Destroyer. But this is the first thing of his that didn't didn't feel like a couple singles with filler. It felt like a complete album. So that's why I chose it, because the guy's like this power pop genius, um, and he will mix in, you know, synth and cool guitar and different genres, different eras, and he just kind of throws it into a blender. Um, he kind of rose to fame first with the new pornographers, which is kind of more of a collective than a band, uh, creating like the most perfect power pop masterpieces in like the 2000s, the odds. Um, and they're, you know, still getting together and uh, producing stuff. But I've always liked individual singles of his that I can't stop listening to. And then I'll check out the album and I'm like, eh, eh, I don't know, because he is <laughs> he is pretty ADHD like I am. Um, so I should be more empathetic. But yeah, so his previous albums are just kind of all over the place. You can't control it. And this felt there's a lot of diversity in it, but it felt more like this is a complete album and this represents his style and his music, which I appreciated. Um, you you sum him up perfectly. I, I can't. I, I don't think I've made it through an album of his beginning to end, uh-huh. but he, there is undeniable songwriting talent there. And there are like, like you said, like singles of his, or if you just go to like the Spotify top five or 10 and right. you can listen to them. And then, yeah, you go to an album and it just feels like, I don't know, like he just loses it. And so um, he's someone that I listen to and I, and I, I think is again, immensely talented, but I think you're dead on in how you describe him. And he, he's someone again, where I, I, I like his stuff, but I, I don't, I can never see me putting his stuff on like a best of album. And I know that that's kind of like indie rock hearsay. <laughs> it's like, he really is one of those guys where it's like you, if you want to prove your cred, you must go see his show kind of thing. Right. And, right. I've just, I've never, he kind of belongs. He's sort of like Ty Seagal that way with me and a few others where there, Kurt Vile is even kind of that way with me. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a good comparison point. I mentioned Kurt Vile's album this year, which is another one that I, I kind of liked, but it was like six, 17 songs long. Oh, yeah. And so I was just like, I'm, a, I'm off of this train. And that was kind of how it was. I kept finding uh, reasons to not like some of my favorite bands music this year um kurt vile is perfect to hold up for this too because there's been songs of his where i listen to nothing else for like a week straight yeah and then yeah and then i'll be like well i'm just i gotta diversify i'm gonna listen to his album and i get three songs in. i'm like eh, i'm gonna go to that one song i like no yeah that's exactly um again he's someone where you could make a best of playlist of him Yep. And you're not going to miss anything that he does. So you can just right. pull off what you like, and that's, like, good enough. Or the Spotify does the this is this artist, and it, it kind of curates some of their some of their stuff. Um, give, me, give me one more, and then I want to jump into one I'm going to pick your brain about, and then you and I are going to talk about Desmond Doom. Well, since I know the one you're going to pick my brain about, just go through a couple other um... – <laughs> Honorable mentions that I had. One, it's pretty left field. Johan Johansson, he's an Icelandic composer, and he produced something called Drone Mass, which is very good. I actually, most of my listening this year has been intelligent dance music. It's all IDM, because I had a ton of reading. I got this fellowship thing, and I probably had at least like five, 6,000 pages I had to read. And again, I'm ADHD, so... I need my brain occupied by a few things at once and having these spazzy breakbeats and stuff helped me read better for some reason. And my Spotify, like most listen to songs of the year was all my IDM playlist. And I was like, Oh, this is way too hipster. I'm embarrassed. Um, but yeah, this is another one while you're reading, while you're working, you can listen to that. He's pretty minimalist. Um, you'll just have a lot of, quiet stuff going on and then these soaring soundscapes which is kind of all Icelandic music cigarros and you just their their landscapes alone are so breathtaking that it just really leaks into the music so that was really good um special interest um I think they're a UK band they came out with something called Adore and they were kind of former punkers getting more power pop I 
it did not make my top list because I don't like the vocalist enough, but um, another one that was pretty fun, another kind of ex-punk band growing up, um, their name is The Bets and uh, Expert in a Dying Field. Um, it's kind of light and fluffy and funny, but it was still really good. So those are my, now we can go to the, well, technically the last one we're going through since we aren't ranking these. Yeah. So the, of course, the other one I wanted to pick your brain about is, you know, that I go goo goo gaga for Karen O and the yeah, yeah, yeahs. And I said on my, speaking of kind of older bands that are kind of hipster genre, whatever, um, it's their first album in like nine years. It's 46 minutes long. It's kind <laughs> of like, eh. but I think it's their best album since their debut. And it kind of, when you think of the best, yeah, yeah, yeah songs, you think of like, uh, heads will roll. You think of zero, you think of why control, you think of gold lion that have kind of these beats. They're kind of poppier. Um, and this one, to me is like they've just fully just kind of leaned into glam synth, which is like her whole image. It feels like they moved on from being like the drunken bar band, um, spraying beer in your face from the stage kind of thing. <laughs> and so th this is just one I was curious what your thoughts on, because I listened to it and I, and this is another one I got on vinyl that it's, I, I wasn't sure I was going to play on vinyl. It turns out it's really well done. And it feels like it's just a complete culmination album. There's a song Burning, which has strings. It's almost like a Bond tune. It has strings and funk and soul and a, and a kind of manic guitar. And I think it's probably her best album vocally because she leaned into being a vocalist and not just like a, a, a screamer kind of or a growler kind of thing. Right. And it feels like a mature album where they went away for nine years and then they all like went and had families and kids and stuff. And this feels like Karen O is like, I'm settling into older and motherhood now. I'm not that wild, you know, punk girl anymore from 2010 and, you know, biting the heads off dogs and shit like that. <laughs> and like the, the lyric on the album of the song called The Wolf says, in heaven, I lost my taste for hell. And that lyric to me sums up like the entire transformation of the yeah, yeah, yeahs. Because their whole, their whole like original image and sound was like, hell with the night and hell 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 and you know date with the hell and like whatever and then <laughs> like a spinal tap yeah no, it's like just kind of like what it was and then they kind of drifted into almost like what you talk about with dream pop and synth rock and stuff like that and i wasn't sure how it was going to sell um but i really got into it and it would probably i mean it would probably be like in my top 10 i wouldn't put in like top five or anything like that but as far as like bands where you and I talk about where 15, 20 years ago when Karen O landed on the scene, just an icon. I mean, instantly you knew there's no one else in music like her. That right. didn't sound like her, didn't look like her, didn't act like her. And um, and I don't think that you're going to see anyone as far as this genre of music ever come along like her again. As far as bands that never really quite went mainstream, kind of tried. Never really did it. I mean, they're a band that most people know of, but I would, you know, name 10 songs. Uh, um, so I don't know if you listen to it, but what did you think about the yeah, yeah, yeahs and Cool It Down? Even the album's like Cool It Down. It's not, you know, Burn It Up. It's right, a, a right. typical I, yeah, yeah, yeahs album. Yeah, I think uh, you described it well. One of the problems with, you know, artists that are the hot new thing and then go away for a long time, uh, a lot of times they lose well, I wouldn't say Edge, because, yeah, that's all she had before is Edge, I think. Um, but kind of lose the spark that made them interesting to begin with, or they can just kind of repeat old patterns and just keep going back to the well, the same old crap since it sold well, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Um, but, yeah, the artists that you like are the ones that mature, and that's what it felt like to me. It's it's kind of like, I think I was never big into the Foo Fighters. I, you know, respect what they do. I like Dave Grohl. How could you not? But it was kind of like, dude, I was in Nirvana. I don't need to prove how cool <laughs> yeah. I am anymore. I'm just going to play the music I want to play because I'm good at it. I think, you know? I think that and describes that's where... And felt like the yeah, yeah, yeahs. It's like, we know how to do this. And yeah. I don't need to shock or, oh my gosh, did you... Did you see what she's doing? Madonna is still trying to shock people at 94 years old. It's embarrassing. 
Yeah. Um, but she's, yeah, she's settled into herself and is confident. And that's really good to see when artists can do that. They just don't return to the well again. She's just kind of combined everything and showed that, damn, she's really good. Yeah, that's that's kind of like it was one of, and that's what I kind of love about a forty-six minute album is it just it's you put it in and it's over. Yeah, and it's like yeah. oh, I can I can go about my day as like I said, Kurt Vile is doing eighteen songs and they're all six and a half minute jams, right. um, which again he's he's incredibly talented. But that's one of those things where you put an album in, you can sit down, you can write to it, or you can whatever, and and then it's over with, and you can go about your day, and then before you know it, you're like oh, I want to I want to listen to that one again. Um, and so I saw, I saw them live. I saw the IES live three, four years ago when they were kind of in between this thing. And again, that's another one. There's bands that I'm biased to and that she is, she and that band are every bit as advertised live. Um, and what's interesting to me is they kind of went off and did festivals and they didn't really do intimate theater stuff. And then I saw them in a theater in, uh, in Brooklyn and I thought, like, yeah, they need to really get back to this. Like, stop doing large festival rocks and stuff like that, where, you know, she really knows how to connect with an audience by, by just kind of being her weird, funky self. Right. And so I even I even said on the podcast, I think this is probably their last album. It would shock me if they came out with another one, because it kind of feels like a last album. Um, they're supposed to go on tour, but they canceled over Nick, the guitarist, having pneumonia. Uh, and yeah. it just it feels like if you if this is your first album in nine years, it's like you're not you two here where you can right, just release right. an album and then go on a stadium tour and that's it. You're not the Rolling Stones. And it felt like when, once it faded out, I'm like, I think this is probably the IES last album, in which case mm-hmm. um, it's a great bookend. I think it's the best album since their debut. Um, there's not a bunch of like screaming and yelling in the middle of it. Um, each song is kind of planned out and they just leaned into their best aspects. Um, let's get to Desmond Doom. And to set this, this up, was the guy on both you... our list, folks. Yeah. So what's interesting about this is because I think last time you were on call and we were just kind of sh- shooting the shit, whatever. And we just did the, what are you listening to? Whatever. And you threw out a guy named Desmond Doom. And you kind of described him as uh, a perfect artist doing Joy Division meets the Smiths. And I kind of laughed at that because I'm like, who isn't doing that? You know, whatever. <laughs> like, you, that's, that describes everyone you like. And so I go and I look him up. And it's an album called Surf Goth. And now there, he also released a B-Sides to that. So it's kind of like two mini EPs of like four or five songs. And I put it in and I was like, holy shit, you, you were right. John is right. This is like <laughs> the best like imita- I don't even want to say imitation because I want to talk about what he is and what he does um, of like exactly post-punk The Smiths meets Joy Division meets New Order meets Echo and the Bunnymen meets Adorable with, you know, all that kind of music. It just all comes like rushing and hitting you and you're like, oh, Jesus. And then you go to his, you search for him and there's not a lot of him. There's not like discographies. There's not whatever. But he has a YouTube channel I wanted you to kind of talk about because it you kind of agree with me that I don't think he's just playing the genre. I think he's kind of taken a piss on it in a way that he respects it, but he's basically doing everything on a laptop. It's not him in a band. He's And then he has these tutorials on his YouTube page where he's like, you know, if you want to make if you want to make like a Joy Division song, here's all you have to do kind of thing. And what's funny about that, and, and you and I kind of chatted before this, I want to get your thoughts on that. Is, is he kind of parroting the genre as well as honoring it? Because he clearly knows it, even with his tracks like, uh, you know, I want to be a rock star or I don't never want to see your face again. Those are all great tracks. But in his way of like tell, showing people how you can just be this on GarageBand, it kind of feels like he's taking. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of both. And you can tell a lot of his videos, he's wearing a shirt that is the classic Joy Division Unknown Pleasures waveform. And above it, it says The Cure. And below it, it says (laughs) uh, This Charming Man. You know, so it's just he's steeped in this stuff and he's deconstructed it and he knows how it works. But yeah. He'll have videos like, um, if the Beatles wrote Love Will Tear Us Apart, and then it sounds exactly like you would imagine it, or if the Smiths wrote this Radiohead song, you know, and he gets it, he gets it well, and yeah, that 
you know, especially that first EP, which I've listened to like eight trillion times, um, and I never want to see your face again is absolutely awesome. But it's just one of these things where he breaks it down to his essentials and knocks it out, and it's really freaking good. And I just love these dudes, and that's a good thing about like YouTube and Bandcamp and all these things, SoundCloud. You just get all these people just screwing around at home, putting music there that you would never think of. And the whole concept behind Surf Goth, I love that too because he's you know, he's just like telling you what it is. Ba- <laughs> it's like... Right, and I liked a lot of goth eBay. Yeah. So I was never a goth or under that whole scene, of course, because I'm far too sunny and optimistic for such things. But um, I also have just adored surf guitar, and I started loving it when I first got into the Pixies, and then there's this band, Starflyer 59, probably my favorite band of all time. Every year they release another album, and they all kind of incorporate the surf guitar, and it's such a great sound. And uh, mixing this kind of gothy feel with just straight-ahead surf guitar is a wonderful mashup, I guess. So, yeah, I think he is taking the piss out of a little, but you know he loves it because he just, I don't know, it's just like he's just inhaled us all his life and now he can spit out whatever he wants to at any time. And and uh, he's just a nobody, some dude in his apartment in, in Sydney a, or whatever yeah, the hell he's in, Yeah, he's in Australia. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, yeah, so, I, I dig that, that he can just uh, deconstruct the music that so many people love, and that's why he's gotten so many followers on YouTube, because just like, yeah, you can do this too, here's how. Yeah, so I kind of, I, I cheated, like I would have, his album would be like my one or two of the year, but I did what I always do with you, where I cheat, and I put both EPs into one playlist, and then I kind of, I took, I rearranged them, and then I took, I got rid of a couple that I just thought were like, he's just, this to me is just total taking a piss, and uh, you mentioned Never Want to See Your Face Again, and so something that was funny is, uh, he also has a track, You'll Never Be a Rock Star, and that that's okay, right? and uh, I sent this track to a couple of friends of mine who way back 15, you know, 20, 15 years ago, we tried to do a band together, and I sent this to him, and he just laughed it off immediately, like, Desmond Doom, what the fuck? And I was like, nope, you need to go listen to this. And he came back to me, and he was like, I, well, he was just blown away by it. He's like, this is like the best kind of like what you talk about, the Smith's post-punk Joy Division homage that you could do. And I laughed, and I was like, hey, remember when we were just like arguing, and I was just like, this. This is what we were supposed to fucking sound like. This, right here. Right. And, you know, we just, we were just, you know, four stupid kids. We never got our acts together. We couldn't find a drummer. And so we were laughing about it in the sense of, um, you know, back then it took time and you had to find a guitarist who could play kind of shoegaze. And then a guy who knew how to do that, that heavy bass, like craft work. And um, you had to have me, who was a shitty singer, needed reverb. And now it's, all it takes is Pro Tools, GarageBand, and you just know how to have to play the instrument and you can do the whole thing yourself, which is yeah. kind of what he, he shows you how to do. And it's like she talked about, it, it shows you what a different place music is where you don't need to have these, like the Yeah, Yeah, Yes, for example, which is an established band and they, they can go on tour in Europe and they can do all this stuff. Not really mainstream, um, but like you said, you can have a guy who who looks like he's old. Like he looks like he's about his 50s he, and it, he uh, never he shows, like he, yeah. He never shows, shows his face, face, but he's 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 a bit holding the guitar. He's a bit on the thick side, um, <laughs> but yeah. And then he has these. Can you play shoegaze chords on a bass? And then he's you know he says when mom says we have the Smiths at home, and then he says how to make post punk in one minute, and he and he tracks the bass, the guitar, and the vocals and the drums. And um, so we, did, I had a good laugh with a couple of old friends of mine over this stuff, and it was like, man, we're so fucking old now, like. <laughs> Why couldn't we get this right when we were in our 20s? Like this, <laughs> this asshole right here is doing what we should. And so it was Before you would have to meet at a Sex Pistols show and then. Right. You would have get a the cops called on you for rehearsing. Figure it out for three albums. Yeah, you get the cops called on you for rehearsing in the garage. And right. like, and it's so, so it was funny to kind of reminisce back and uh, kind of connect with just, like you said, this guy who's just he when we talk about like Orville Peck a guy who just knows how to just rip apart a genre get inside of its bones you know take it over 
And he really just creates these incredible tracks that, yeah, it's repetitive, but that's the point. Like, this yeah. is stuff you would hear at a goth club uh, 20, 30 years ago and stuff. And uh, you were the one that, like, turned me on to that. I was kind of mad at you for that. I'm like, how did... <laughs> How, yeah, it was how is it like my, my it favorite? The like... thing I would say it's my favorite album of the year. I still think Andrew Bird is the one I listen to the most, but the one that I just haven't been really able to get out of my head and have been listening to a lot over the last however many times, like six weeks to a month, uh, was Desmond Doom. And so I was like, God, do I want to put this on there? And then John's <laughs> going to see this. I'm going to be a fucking poser. And so, but no, we were like, no, I want to talk about this one because yeah, everything that we said is the way he does the sound. He's a random dude in Australia. He is on Apple Music and he is on Spotify um, and Amazon as well. But I don't know how big this guy is. I don't. I, I, this is a guy who I'd be interested to hear him do an actual studio album and see what right. it seems like. So and he would be arguing with the engineers, saying they're all getting it all wrong. No. <laughs> yeah, like, the twenty-year-old kid in the booth, yeah. and he's like, "No, I'm going to come kick your ass. You don't know what you're talking about." Um, was Desmond your best, or what was your best of the year? Oh boy, that's tough. It's it's always tough to even put these in order because they're so different. Um, I would say the best overall album was probably always Blue Rev, but yeah, that's the thing. It's like you pick music based on the mood you're in and what you want to listen to and what you're doing, and and so you know, depending on my mood, each one of these could be a number one because it just depends. The one I probably listen to the most is freaking Desmond Doom. And that's what I noticed because I was thinking his music, oh, it's kind of a joke. Look at the cover. It's like a goth surfing and it's just like a piss. Yeah, he's very literal. That's that's what's funny is like he names names his genre surf goth. There's no clever, you know, it's not like shoegaze. It's not like, you know, wave gaze or anything like that. Or what Death Heaven is. What is Death Heaven? Black gays. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just, it's surf goth. And then his cover is, yeah, it's just like a, it looks like Robert, it looks like Robert Smith from The Cure on a surfboard. And surfing. it's all fuzzy and blurry and black <laughs> yeah. and white, like a Cure album cover would be back in the day. Yeah, and so he's very literal, and that's kind of where I got the idea, like, I'm like, he's kind of taking a piss. He's, he's trying to show you how easy this can be, but also, you know... Uh, a band like Joy Division, it wasn't easy for them. And, you know, some of the tracks that came out of there and the same thing with the Smiths. Um, so, yeah, it, it's funny because he's he's basically, he's being ironic after it's postmodern in a way. And so right. he's, he's, he's trafficking completely in irony, but he's not making fun of it. He's honoring the genre and he sounds like it. And he comes around sounding like completely authentic. Like he sounds like his own, uh, his own dude completely. So, yeah. Um, while we're here, we got one person in queue. We'll take Jenny and, uh, we'll, we'll all get out of here. But, um, for those of you just kind of, like I said, just to, just to wrap up, um, some of the albums I'm talking about today, uh, if you want to check them out on Spotify, of course, the yeah, 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 cool it down. Orville Peck, uh, Bronco, uh, Barty. Uh, I didn't talk about Barty Strange because eh, I like that, but that's different. Andrew Bird, Inside Problems, Mitski, Laurel Hell. Black Country, New Road, Ants from Up There, and Desmond Doom is Surf Goth, and he has two EPs, uh, EP, B, and A, and then, of course, John had mentioned uh, All Rav and All Vays, um, like Zavitch, and a couple, so feel free to go ahead and check those out. Jenny, we'll go ahead and take you, uh, preferably something for John, as he's the guest, but uh, go ahead. What, what, what struck you in music this year, if anything, and don't be afraid, it can be mainstream, it can be anything you well, two years ago, this young high school girl asked her dad to come in from mowing the lawn and help her rehearse a song for a school thing. And they decided to make a video of it and put it on Facebook because they just wanted to share it with their friends and family. This video went viral. It's now had 9.6 million views on YouTube. And they have started a career without the music industry. It goes to your point of people using the Internet to find their fans, they have completely bypassed all of the music industry and produced albums and held concerts. I have bought several of their albums and bought tickets to two of their concerts, which I watched from my home virtually online. And it is one of the most exciting new developments in music I think that I've ever seen because they're good. Their fans love them. Some of their work has gone number one in various genres on Spotify and, you know, two years of this music career and they're they're at the top of the game so it's a very exciting development 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it's sort of like what we're doing here, uh, as far as like independent media, as far as Colin, uh, Twitter, or Substack, whatever. Um, I think if you can like learn to bypass any blot and kind of corrupted institution, it's it's inevitably learns to good things. The thing that I'm kind of worried about, I'm gonna, and I've I've talked about this on the podcast, and I, I want to get John's kind of thoughts on this is the development of AI. And how, you know, they've developed chatbots and things like that. And I've said, you know, in within two to three years, we're going to have a film that is completely AI. The actors aren't real. The script was generated by AI and it's, and it's on purpose. They're saying we're going to do this on purpose. And it was created in a computer. And I'm wondering, like, how that's going to affect music. Like, uh, you could put into chatbot, write me the perfect pop song. And then it could come out and it would say, okay, now give me instruments. And it would do all of that. And it's funny because pop music to me is primed for something like that, like to where people don't really care. They just, you know, want to be entertained in a way or they just, you know, it's why I don't understand every time Taylor Swift blinks her eyes, everybody just stands at attention. Um, And so that's one thing coming up in this year, in the next two years. I'm just like, uh, this is the next step. It's it's independent artists. It's using YouTube technology. It's using GarageBand. And then we're going to get into AI creating everything for us. And I'm like terrified of that. As much as it's like Radiohead and Johnny Greenwood taking over that genre, that's kind of where I'm at with that. So any thoughts on that? Yeah. yeah. I, I Go ahead, John. Oh, well, okay. John, first, um, just, I got to yeah, tell you something. This, this is really embarrassing. I did not know until this show that you were that John Gabriel. Oh. <laughs> I've, caught it, I've called into your shows. I've talked to you. I've followed you on twitter for years i think you're hilarious <sighs> but i did not connect you were that musician john gabriel there, there goes his ego hello i'm the host here <laughs> well yeah everyone's all i deign to emerge from my uh, fortress of solitude and converse with rabble like uh steven so uh thank well, thanks for listening um yeah i think ai is going to be a natural fit for music because record labels are cheap and they're going to come up with these like basically ar ai artists with holograms to do Coachella. I think that's just obvious next step. Um, but, and really with newer musicians doing their own thing too, this is kind of a continuation again, going back to my college days. Um, there was this very cool uh, scatter guitar dude named flying saucer attack. He was out of Bristol, UK. And he used to write because there was a campaign at the time, home taping is killing music. You know, don't, don't record our music and his whole thing, since he was so lo-fi, was he would etch on the vinyls that he would sell. Home home recording is saving music. And this is just the next extension with computers and just people doing their own thing. And an artist like him, uh, Dave Pierce was his name, you know, he couldn't get on a label. He would just release stuff himself, and then labels started courting him. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of that just with, um, people working at home, starting their own bands, um, whatever they're doing, any kind of music or any kind of idea they have, being able to record it and letting that rise to the top. So I'm hoping the recording industry doesn't crush it because every every innovation they wish to crush because they can't make money off it right now. But uh, yeah, I think good music will always be there. Um, support live music, folks. That's very important. Yeah, and my my place in the universe is musical theater. And this past summer, my husband and I watched a virtual final performance of Singing in the Rain from the theater company where I did summer stock back in 1987. And it was so joyful to be able to use technology to be right there, closing night of the show. And so I think that side of theater and live performance is just going to explode. And you see like popular videos on YouTube when I'm bored and it just recommends videos it's all these like virtuosos. Look at this kid playing guitar. Look at this little girl playing drums, you know, and people really still want that. That's like more popular than you could figure out by, I don't know, turning into a terrestrial radio on a given day. But um, yeah, excellence. I don't know. This is maybe being overly optimistic, but excellence will rise to the top. And uh, I agree. We have a few people endorsing it. I totally agree. Hey, good talking to you guys. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New Year. New Year. Uh, I'm the I'm the ultimate pessimist. I think they're going to try to all put us into Meta, and Elon Musk is going to Neuralink all of us, and then just kind of like spoon feed us whatever they want to come up with. So we'll we'll see which dystopia wins out first. Right. 
that's I get off the boat at near at near Lincoln Meta. I'm like, nope, that's yeah, that's it I'm for done. me. Um, speaking of like offing yourself, so uh, John, thank you for this. Um, I know, like we usually try to do this one way or another every year, and uh, I thought that this would just be kind of fun to mix it up and do it live, and people can see, like. When we do this, when we used to do these shows, like you'd think it would go hours and hours and hours of editing, but you know, we kind of we managed to kind of hang in there and do this live, and so it's always kind of fun to uh, to do this. And speaking of, you know, doing things in the metaverse or whatever, uh, so I do appreciate you uh, doing this. I said that you were going to do it, I think, weeks before I asked you, so I ran <laughs> the risk of you turning me down. And uh, so again, I pre- uh, thanks for doing this as always, and um, again, good suggestions. If anyone still has um any questions about any of the songs tracks we talked about i'll also have a playlist uh on my uh, on patreon here in a couple of days um but uh are you gonna actually are you gonna do your own episode over on uh king of stuff or or what i'm not doing a best of the year um so i will link back to this call-in show so if anybody wants to hear it they can hear it nice yeah that would just be work and we don't want to do that (laughs) so uh yeah i don't want to do the audio editing yeah uh that's the other fun thing about this we don't have to do any of that nonsense you know this is just warts and all so uh john again thank you thanks again to everyone listening i know this is kind of conventional we don't really take callers because we're just here in our own little chat space or whatever uh being too cool for everyone uh even as we get kind of older and more jaded and more cynical uh, but I always I do look forward to the end of the year because I, I always look forward to now the beginning of the year. And it's like, OK, now who's coming out? And I start a whole new folder on my computer. and I kind of get excited again for what's ahead. So things I'm going to discover, things I'm going to rediscover, things I'm going to jump back into. So um, it, it's a good time and it's always fun to do this. So, uh, Thanks John, for thank you. On. It was great. Great to chat. Yeah. Uh, it's been episode 78, the music of 2022 with John Gabriel and me. Uh, and uh, like I said, the uh, Conservatarians Unite to run down kind of our best of the year, our weirdest of the year, our notables of the year. So again, uh, thank you all for spending this New Year's Eve Eve uh, with us to just kind of goof off a little bit. Um, I do plan on being here tomorrow to wrap up the worst of media uh, in the year, which is also is kind of the best in media. Au revoir, Brian Stelter. Um, and so tune in for that as well. And we'll wrap up the year. But other than that, if, if I don't catch you tomorrow, everyone have a happy new year. And, uh, John, thanks again. You bet.